Welcome to series two of Dead Good Staffordshire with me, Charlotte Foster. Now, this podcast is where we talk about death and dying. Yeah, topics that not many of us really want to have conversations about, but we know we should be talking about them. Well, these podcasts are about having those honest conversations and having them now. Talking about dying won't make it happen any sooner, I promise. Not talking about it might make it actually harder. We are now coming to the end of Dying Matters Awareness Week in the UK. The Dying Matters Staffshire team have been putting on lots of events. There may still be the odd one or two taking place. If you're listening to this podcast early enough and you've got some free time, go on their Facebook page, Dying Matters Staffordshire, and you will find all the events that are going on, plus information to find out more in general about the whole campaign. The theme for this year is Are We Ready? Big question that. You've got the practical side, the death admin that needs to be done before before we die, and also the emotional side. How an earth can we be ready to die? Well, I've been talking for the last two episodes to Catherine Mannix. She's a retired doctor. She was a consultant in palliative care for, for decades, has looked after thousands of people whilst they've been dying, reaching the end of their life, and so has a lot of experience in in dying and what dying should look like. So in this last part of the interview where I've been talking to Catherine, I mentioned just the relief I had while talking to her about finding out that the process of dying, that there is a process of dying. I was just 19 when I watched my nan die. She was at home. Everyone in the family was around there, but nobody had told me what what was going to happen, what it was going to be like. I had no experience of death. I think the nearest I'd come to it was some bits on the telly, bits in the film, the dramatic side of things, not the reality. Now, that means that as she was dying, I saw her, in my eyes, struggling for breath and that so-called death rattle I can still hear to this day. However, talking to Catherine has just been a massive relief and I told her that almost 20 years on I finally feel some relief about all of this knowing that actually my nan wasn't in pain she was actually going through a process it's revolutionary isn't it and I've had letters from people all over the world it just is absolutely astonishing um just to say exactly that I've been haunted by the noises I've been haunted by the sleeping and waking and thinking maybe she was uncomfortable and that's why she kept waking up um you know and I you know one lady wrote to me and said I I've had PTSD since my mum died four and a half years ago and I've just finished reading your book and last night I slept through the night for the first time in four and a half years that's astonishing and just think of the power we've got as just human beings to be able to share that information with each other to say this is what we will see and it's okay and also if it's not like this then like the wise midwife it's time to do something to get it back to being like this 
because it's not proceeding normally. So when when do the nurses or the doctors have to give extra injections of this, that or the other? Well, it's if the symptoms of the illness that's causing the death are starting to cause discomfort. Because dying, unlike birth, doesn't hurt at all. Dying is only just kind of your brain and your body shutting down. Um, but the illness, depending on what it is, might give us breathlessness or pain or you know, myriad symptoms, really. So we need to be on standby to stop them breaking through. But we could give each other just such comfort, just as people. You don't have to be a doctor or a nurse to be able to explain to somebody else that what you saw, what you saw with your nan was brilliant, well done nan, normal dying. And it's a fantastic lesson yeah. in, in the last bit of life from her to take with you. How fantastic. Ten years from now, sounds like a job interview, ten years, mm -hmm. ten years from now, what do you hope you will have been able to achieve with your book, with your campaigning? I hope that there will be many, many voices talking about normal dying in 10 years' time and that it will be a thing that isn't resisted by the media. So, for example, um, there's very little that's good about dying in, on television, in radio and cinema. Um, I hope that lots and lots of people will have reference stories in their minds about normal dying. There might be my stories or there might be other people's stories, but they will have heard the message from so many different directions. Newspaper articles, documentaries, good sensible plots in soap operas. So many different directions that they won't even know how they know anymore. They won't know my name, but they'll know the stories, they'll know the process and they won't be fearful. It's making it as normal as it's because, you know, 20, 30 years ago, nobody really spoke too much about about giving birth and, and having and, and labour, did they? It wasn't as ch chatted about. Well, that, was, that wasn't a thing to speak about in public, was it? Dealing yeah. women's business. Women's yeah. things and, you know, yeah. it's about it's about dying and death being the next thing to talk about openly, isn't it? it you know, I think moving it on. Yeah, I think it is. And that it's something that needs to be less medicalised, I think. Um, we have a desire to die in our own familiar places. And then the thing that we're dying of hijacks us into hospital, which is which is tricky. And sometimes it's entirely appropriate to go to hospital because it might be that you don't have to die right now and it's appropriate not to. Um, but there comes a point where rescuing somebody from death to carry on living a non-life is no longer a kindness. So that's what advanced care planning is all about, isn't it? Being able to say, you know, if these circumstances um, happen, then rescue me, please. But if these other circumstances happen, please stand back and let normal dying happen to me because that will be welcome to me at that point. So, yes, we need to normalise it. We need to reintegrate it into being part of what we do as a society. Um, there's a little medical bit, which is about managing the symptoms. But dying is a social thing. It's not a medical thing. And it doesn't need to happen 
for most people in a hospital. Actually, some really nice uh, research done in New Zealand that shows that actually the place we die doesn't matter to people nearly as much as the people we have around us while we're doing it. We've got a bit fixated on place. But actually, it's, it's the faces, it's the love around us that really, really matters. Do you think we're confusing home with family? I think we might be, yeah. And we also, you know, we talked about the, the financial burden on the NHS. There are some beds being occupied by people on death watch um, simply because the person started to die while they were in the hospital. And it's difficult to disrupt that to move somebody somewhere else. Um, but we shouldn't see that that's a, a badly done job. But for a lot of people, we could have avoided that admission in the first place with some better planning ahead. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dead Good Staffordshire podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I think we're allowed to enjoy this. I hope you found it useful and I hope that maybe you've taken some comfort from it as well. We've still got more to talk about, so stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast via however you listen to the podcast, whatever method it is. Make sure you subscribe and you'll never miss an episode.